On this episode of Sessions, we chat with Anya Charbonneau, founder of Broccoli Magazine, the magazine created by and for women who love cannabis. Tune in as we chat Broccoli's roots, the evolution of the cannabis industry as it becomes more mainstream, and the five reasons why cannabis culture needs a magazine like Broccoli. Welcome to Sessions by Matt Black, a podcast by and for the creative class, focused on digging into the things that make brands and campaigns go from good to great. I am really excited to be talking to Anya Charbonneau, who is the founder and creative director of Broccoli Magazine. Anya, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I, I mean, this conversation in general, I just feel like is one that is incredibly exciting. Um, For those of our listeners who are not familiar with Broccoli Magazine, it is a magazine all about cannabis, but perfectly curated for the lady consumer. Um, And I think really kind of debunking some of the traditional kind of stereotypes and assumptions about, you know, what weed and weed culture is, um, and really taking it to a new place. So I'm excited to get into the the meat with you on this. In traditional sessions fashion, I have to ask you a few quick fire questions just to like get to know who you are. So first question, what is your victory song? I can't say that I have one song in particular, but I like to go back to my 90s music roots with some Veruca Salt albums. <laughs> Amazing. Was that like something along the lines of what you played when the first issue came off? the hot press. It was definitely part of the process from start to finish. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, And so are you a morning bird? Are you a night owl? What's your tactic? I'm right in the middle. I don't get up too early, but I also don't go go to bed too late. I can't seem to hit either side. So straight down the middle. Yeah. I think I relate with you on that. Um, What's your go-to comfort food? I love a good cheese and carbs. Um, They're pretty reliable. Childhood favorite. Kids love it. Adults love it. <laughs> yes. Like, I, give me the gluten, give me the dairy. Yes. But I will say <laughs> that I also have really crazy vivid dreams about cake, like wedding cake style, classic birthday cake. Don't know why, but it wow. pops up a lot. Have you ever looked into what the meaning of that is? You know, I actually haven't, but I, I bet it's something goofy. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately Google's post podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I kind of want to dive into some of your background. Um, I know that, you know, previously before you started Broccoli, you, you were the creative director of Kinfolk Magazine, which is obviously a much loved and adored magazine that I personally think kind of helped tread the way um, in almost this whole kind of independent you know, publishing and editorial space. Um, but I'd love to hear a little bit about that and, and kind of your career journey that kind of led you to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I came to publishing after working as a freelance photographer. So I went from one side of the lens to the other side doing art direction and working with photographers on editorial commissions. So I really learned how to do every every part of making a magazine with Kinfolk, although I was focused on the art side and really, really fell in love with the printed medium and books and making magazines. So seeing all of this exciting stuff happening in the legal cannabis scene here where I live in Oregon um, was really inspiring to think about what we could bring to that new environment from 
our experiences with Kinfolk. So a couple of the women that I work with, we work together at Kinfolk. So we had this really nice, really nice creative foundation going into it. Um, and we just really wanted to see something new in cannabis media and getting to bring these things that we love so much from publishing, like working with a lot of talented people around the world and just reframing ideas through editorial work is just so fun. Totally. And kind of at a time, I mean, cannabis aside, but like at a time when publishing is definitely going through a lot of stuff, let's put it that way. Like it's a very interesting space to kind of watch, you know, some of these, um, you know, titles and, and larger, you know, publishing houses kind of go through a lot of shift and change while kind of these underdogs kind of come up and are creating some really interesting, unique things that seem to be very sticky to how people are consuming that content. So totally interesting. Yeah, I think what you said before about um, Kinfolk kind of leading the charge with independent publishing, it was, it's amazing to see how many publications are out there. And every there's so many wonderful niche topics, there's a magazine for everything. And I think we felt really lucky that there was still a topic left (laughs) to be covered. Yeah. (laughs) you know you do see a lot of digital exhaustion too so I think a lot of the older older titles are struggling to figure out where they fit in if if print isn't for them anymore but digital isn't really you know bringing in the advertising revenue that they want I think that we're going to see more people wanting that tangible experience again yeah totally and you know it's an interesting also kind of thinking in terms of even print now feeling a lot more like art in a sense is and this I even get from you know your Instagram feed but a lot of times when we're buying magazines like this or print you know anything like this it's like meant to kind of live as a showcase for a while like you're not just like reading it and tossing it out like you might have of other you know titles not naming anything particularly but like you know you would put it on your coffee table or put it on your shelf and kind of keep it there cuz it feels I don't know. There's something about it that feels a little bit more special. Yeah. And the, um, the cool thing about the digital space is the way that people share that stuff with each other. So we're, we get so many pictures of people with their copies of Broccoli. And in the beginning, there were a lot of pictures of people with their cats in the magazine, which was really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, you get this glimpse into your readers' lives and it, it makes everything feel like we're all like in a community together, which is so nice community of cat lover, lovers <laughs> sure in cannabis. Um, so I'd love to just kind of hear from you, you know, what Broccoli Magazine is, um, how it came to be, and really kind of your vision for the magazine. Yes. So we are an international magazine for cannabis lovers, and we're looking at cannabis from an art, culture, and fashion perspective. So while our content does, of course, touch on really direct cannabis-related topics and the industry. We're also looking at things that are left of center of it, touching on all the creative things that weed can be part of, like food and art and music. And we're showing it in a way that really shines a light on the way that the modern woman uses weed. Like it's rarely the only focus in their lives. So we're, we're trying to speak to that by showing a lot of different interesting things all in one (laughs) framed around this one inspiration point. Uh, And has weed been a part of your life for, I mean, you know, potentially no cops listening, JK, (laughs) but has it always been a part of your life? Has this been something that is kind of like, it's just exciting because now you actually feel like there's a community in a different space of looking at it, or is this something that you yourself are kind of getting newly exposed to? Well, I've been using it since I was in my early 20s, or maybe just before that. And it's definitely evolved the way that probably everything in my life has over the last 
you know, 15 years-ish. And the legalization really does allow you to think of it in different ways. And it, it causes so many people to become exposed to it for either the first time, because, you know, a lot of people don't want to do something that's illegal or that they believe is bad because of the things that we're told about it. And um, the new ways and opportunities to consume, like with product development and knowing that you're getting really safe, consumer-friendly products means that it just opens up a whole new world. Like I have so many different ways that I could consume weed in my house right now that I've never previously had. (laughs) And that's a really interesting option to have. Yes, totally. Um, so kind of with that in mind, I want to dive into, you know, some of your five things. Uh, it's obviously kind of very stemmed in, in the core of the fact that you've created something that is, you know, relatively bro in nature, this kind of, you know, weed culture that m- many of us have probably grown up knowing is like taking massive bong rips and getting like super stoned is really turning into something that's much more universal, like having a glass of wine with dinner. Um, but really, you know, at the core, you're looking at how this can be something that is kind of created by and for the women who who love cannabis and are looking to like share those stories or that integration into their life in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to kind of just dive into you know the five reasons kind of why and how you came to build a women focused publication in a in a space that's you know not not totally used to kind of this point of view. Totally. First thing I would say is that we really want to reframe what it what it looks like and what it means to be a person who uses cannabis. So seeing what you're talking about, this like the stereotype that we grew up with of the dirty basement bong rips, (laughs) like that's not really representative of most people's experiences. And we we want to show that there are many, many unique ways that people have cannabis part of their lives. And sometimes they can be very casual. Sometimes they're just for fun. Sometimes they're part of someone's wellness routine or for their health. And those are all equally relevant and valuable to talk about. So we want to make sure that, you know, you can, you can treat all of those different relationships with respect. And I think that we're finding that hearing from all of these different women who are interested in sharing with us that... They, they're all there and they all want it to feel okay to talk about and they want to mm-hmm. see it represented in a way that fits into their lives. Yeah, no, totally. I think that that's very relevant, you know, and even, um, you know, myself, I know, you know, you're, you're up in Oregon, myself, I grew up in Northern California and certainly was kind of raised in kind of a very weed welcoming uh, community in a way, but it was just, it was just something that was kind of a bit intense and um, turn me off to it. And I feel like this kind of new change in the way that we're thinking about it and talking about it is like very much needed and, you know, kind of invited. Yeah. So, and even if you're not a person that wants to use it, like talking about it in a more neutral and curious way is going to help other people feel comfortable being honest about it because it's not something that people should need to hide. Totally. Totally. And so what would, what would kind of the next thing be that you kind of identify with this publication. So the next thing is that we are really proud of the fact that we're a woman-owned company and that we're also giving work to other women <laughs> to write and to photograph and to share share what they're saying. Um, there's a lot of talk in the cannabis industry about you know how many women are getting involved and in the way what ways they're getting involved in the industry. And I think that 
if we really look down to the core of when you have power to do good things for people, it is when you are the owner of a company because you get to make the final call on things. So if you're hiring, a woman in charge is probably more likely to think about the communities around her and ask like who needs to be lifted up. And I, I just feel really strongly about that. And I think it's not that common to find women-owned companies. There's a lot of stats in cannabis about how many women executives are in different leadership roles. But I really want to be able to make it easier for people to, to know which companies are owned by women and how to support them. So that's something that we're using the magazine yeah. for and also like working on some other community projects that will help make those people more visible. I'd be curious to even know, I mean, you might actually know the statistic, but like how many dispensaries are even owned by it's women? It's really not many. If There's any. some, but not many. And I, yeah, one thing really I'll, many. this is kind of, I don't know when this is going to roll out exactly, but we're working on a directory for women-owned businesses and cannabis so that that's something you can search for <laughs> and find easily. That's There's incredible. definitely a lot of um, like blog roundups and things popping up. Um, we're hoping to have kind of a community uh, created database that can be updated by people who are like, hi, I'm here. Here's what I do. Here's my business. And then it'll make it a little bit easier for people to find them. That's amazing. I can't wait for that. And so what would you say your fourth thing is? Uh, my fourth thing is that we really want to highlight women who haven't really had their their full chance in the spotlight from different generations, especially when it comes to like art and culture, music, writing. There's so many women who have done such interesting things in terms of cultural contributions that, you know, they don't, they didn't get their chance in the media when they were creating or even alive. And I think it's really, really exciting to get a chance to do our part to show them some respect. <laughs> um, in our first yeah. issue, we did an article about Karita Kent. She was an artist who was a nun for a while and did a lot of really amazing screen printing and she was an activist, very involved socially in her community, driving people to engage and be active with the, what was going on at, her, in the at the time, mostly in like the late 60s in Southern California. And her work is so beautiful and exciting. And, you know, she's a pop artist, essentially, but not that many people have heard of her. But, you know, everybody knows Andy Warhol. But I think her work was so much more important and had such a more... She had a really passionate message and a really important message that's still really relevant today in a way that, you know, a, a picture, paint, paintings of celebrities, like, don't really resonate anymore. Yeah. And so how do you guys find that kind of, like, editorial thread between the choice to tell those stories versus, or not even versus, but, like, telling those stories and how it, it ties back to cannabis? Or do you feel like there's just this, like, cannabis might be the you know, the kind of baseline of what invigorates kind of the the readership or the viewership. And then you're kind of able to tell these stories that may or may not tie back to it, you know, based on the, the ethos and the values of what you guys have. Like, how do you, how do you kind of navigate yeah, It's that? different depending on the story. So I can give you a couple examples from our first issue, um, including with Karita Kent, because she definitely, I, mean, I don't think there's anything out there about her and cannabis in any way, but her art really speaks to that like 60s, 70s psychedelic flower child kind of vibe. So, it, and because of the, where she was too, where a lot of this message of who hippies were kind of originated from, there felt like a, just a bit of a thread that would work for the interested cannabis person, even though there's nothing in her work specifically about that. 
Um, and then another example, That's awesome. also from our first issue, we wrote a music review of a reissued album from 1983 by the Japanese composer Midori Takada. The album is called Through the Looking Glass, and it's this really, really special piece of music, this recording that she did all by herself in two days. She recorded four tracks in the studio alone and created all these really wild layered sounds using, um, what did she call it? It was like a, like a 3D soundscape based on how close the microphone was to the instruments. And some of the instruments were just like soda cans and things that she had. And when you listen to it, it's like very, it's a very interesting progression into this woman's mind. <laughs> and it's so, wow. it's so meditative and interesting. And I think that someone who was using weed would probably really love it. You don't need to do that in order to listen to it. And we don't tell you that that's how you should listen to it. But I think the, the like enjoyment of it would definitely be there. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, and this kind of segues, you know, into your kind of fifth point about, you know, what you guys are really focused on kind of building, but naturally with this, you know, stem of opportunity within the editorial content, you're reaching, um, a lot of people globally and not just around the, you know, core cannabis conversation, but obviously about really kind of introducing interesting people in different ways. So I'd love to kind of hear, you know, one of your one of your points around what you're really trying to build. Yeah. So in the end, as part of our goal to normalize cannabis, we're we're building a really interesting international community. I'd say that the most exciting thing so far about the magazine has been the people who have kind of come out and said, like, hello, I'm here <laughs> from all over the world. I really like we knew that we would have readers in Canada and America, maybe some in you know Europe, but I wasn't expecting to hear from women in India and Brazil and South Africa, Taiwan. I had a was having an Instagram message conversation with a woman in Israel today, and she was asking me how many other people have subscribed from Israel, and it's just really exciting to to know that this is giving readers our readers a chance to be open about something that maybe they've kept hidden. Like we've reflected something back at them that really spoke to part of who they are. And now that they're coming to us, we're trying to find ways to help them find each other <laughs> because they're there and they're all over the place. Um, we're, yeah. we're working on kind of a vintage internet thing, um, a message board for women to just connect and chat and share their experiences so that like it doesn't just That's live amazing. and die in my email inbox. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, I think um, I've been seeing more and more of that in general in terms of these kind of like shared uh, forums for like micro communities. And I, it's, you know, interesting to see the things that other women are looking for. Cause one of the ones I'm a part of is like a, you know, a women's it's like all moms kind of a thing, but um, you know, it's really interesting all the diverse kind of needs and businesses everyone's running questions they have and the way that we can all really support each other, which I think is, you know, not necessarily a, a woman only thing, you know, men are certainly very community based and, and kind of open and candid too. But I think that there's something really special in the way that women kind of lean into that the lack of a, you know, pun yeah. there. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's amazing. And so, you know, to talk a little bit more about the magazine itself, like you, your issues are free, if I'm not yes, mistaken. that's true. Um, so we decided to make the magazine free so that it could be more accessible to people. I think at this really kind of crucial stage and changing people's minds about what cannabis can be, we can't have a barrier to entry to that information, especially when it's being presented in like a forward thinking way. 
So the magazine's free. If people buy a copy online, obviously they have to pay for shipping because we don't get kickbacks from the post office, unfortunately. Unfortunately. (laughs) We also have it distributed at a lot of different shops um, around the world. So we're getting ready to ship our second issue to our stockists. And then people can pick it up like for free, for free. That's incredible. So, I mean, not to get too gritty into the business, but, you know, as a business owner myself, I'm always intrigued as to, you know, various models and how mm-hmm. it works. But for you, is it is it kind of still leaning on kind of key partners and advertisers? Or how do you guys kind of envision to continue to kind of transform your um, your revenue model as uh, you know, in the publishing space. Yeah, right now we're totally sponsored by brand partners. So everything is coming, really coming from them. And it's really exciting to see who's, first of all, who's, who's interested in supporting a project like this. And then on the other side, it's really cool because we are providing a platform for these brands to get their stories out there when there really aren't many ways to advertise cannabis. I mean, we have billboards here in Portland now, <laughs> but I think people have relied, they've relied a lot on like sponsoring music video shoots and, you know, product placement in these more subtle ways. But we're, we're able to really like tell people's stories in a more direct way. And the nice thing for us is that a lot of these companies are doing really, really wonderful work that's helping people. So we are happy to tell those stories. It's, it's a unique opportunity that I've never experienced before in terms of um, partnered content. You know, usually, a lot of times yeah. it's really a reach. And right now, I think we're in a super unique position of being able to share actually informa- like helpful information through those pieces. Yeah, it's really incredible. Do you guys, I mean, you've already kind of mentioned you've kind of hit this kind of global audience. Are you guys focused on doing things in local markets? Is it is it really going to be a kind of majorly like digital first um, kind of strategy? I mean, I know you're doing an event here, I think in LA um, in a couple of weeks, but is, are you guys planning to like hit the road? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the focus and the real, you know, a highlight of Broccoli is the magazine and it is in print. And I think that whatever we do digitally will be things that are more community driven, like a forum, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I can feel that this year is going to be the year of, of Broccoli Goes on the Road. <laughs> so we're coming to LA at the end of the month for a launch party co-hosted with Rachel Comey. And I'm which is an amazing partnership too. I mean, again, I think, I think what you guys are doing so well is really, it's just a huge shift in, you know, the way you think about things like Rachel Comey, you know, kind of being a co-host on a figuratively like cannabis based, you know, kind of focus is something that's really unexpected. And I think that's what you guys are, you guys are able to just shift that. I think like you use the word normalize. And I think that that is, such an interesting way to say it and like so to the point but it just feels like this thing where you're like oh yeah I totally connect with this and it doesn't feel like too intense um so that's incredible okay last question about the magazine and then we'll start to ask a few other fun questions but where did the name come from broccoli is our favorite code word or slang for weed um it's like cute and irreverent and it also reminds us, um, we've, we've learned a few more from Japan also that are very green and vegetable-based. <laughs> like just straight up salad or vegetables are common ones. Um, yeah, it's a, I like it. I love it. <laughs> just images of broccoli have now like sort of become part of our little world too. I have people keep sending me on Instagram like their art with broccoli in it. So I'm going with it. I love it. I mean, it's even just kind of refreshing to see 
in your feed. You know what I mean? It kind of just makes it all feel just a bit like fresh and nutritious. Right. (laughs) You know, in the way that like when you think about wine, you're like, oh yeah, like antioxidants, it comes from a grape. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of a similar thing. And, you know, we work with some cannabis brands as well who are really focused on like the conversation around the flower and it not necessarily being like, you know, you're token it up. And so I, I I love the like juxtaposition and and the shift and just kind of how like linguistically we're talking. Yeah. And it's funny too, because broccoli just has such a bad reputation from like, I mean, growing up in like the eighties, no, no one wanted to eat their broccoli. So it's funny because there's so much there's a lot of broccoli content left to be explored. That's <laughs> a broccoli content. Um, well, that was amazing. That's such great insight. And I'm super excited about what you guys are out to achieve. And I envision really, really big things for you guys. I mean, I feel like we're just at the very tip of the iceberg in terms of what cannabis culture is going to become. And you guys are, you know, at the helm of the voice of that, especially for women, which is incredible. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. So I have to ask you a, a fun question. Um, that we ask a lot of our guests. If you got to take three of your idols or icons to dinner or just to like, you know, roll a blunt and hang, (laughs) who do you choose and which restaurant would you go to? So I always feel very like self-conscious of these fantasies because I know that I'm a better observer than participant in like high pressure icon experiences. But if I so if I could be like the fly on the wall in this world, then I would love to have a trio of York and Claire Boucher from Grimes. And then my like high school teenage favorite band leader, Melora Krieger from Rasputina. <laughs> they're they're all musicians. Um, and they've all been inspiring to me because they're su- they're all super weird and super creative. And have this very irreverent, bizarre sense of humor that they put in at the forefront of who they are, but also peppered into, into their projects and their music in this way that I think is so special. Because I really love to laugh and I love to have fun and joke around. And I don't like it when things are too serious. So I would love to see them just like having their conversation and I would probably just be laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's interesting that you kind of hone in on that as the the thread between them all because even if you think about your creative aesthetic and what you guys are doing with broccoli like it kind of has similar tones you know it's a little bit unexpected it's kind of fun and whoop, and not trying to take itself too seriously and I think that that's kind of yeah very I mean similar. we literally have an article that's pretending that cats have opened their own catnip dispensary so we really want to make sure that we're not taking it taking it to the extremes of seriousness. <laughs> Yeah, that is amazing. Um, okay, so we have to let our listeners know where they can find you. So use this as your time to self-promote. Where can we find you on Instagram? What's your website? Where can we pick up an issue? Um, so our website is broccolimag.com. And that's where you can order a copy of the magazine or even get a subscription. And I will say a fun, fun but kind of boring logistical note that it's the same price no matter where you live all over the world. So it doesn't matter if you're in the US or if you're in Israel, you're paying the same price for shipping. So that's kind of kind of cool. <laughs> um, and then on Instagram, awesome. on Instagram, we're broccoli underscore mag. And we'll be hopefully coming to different cities near you <laughs> soon. Amazing. I love it. Um, thank you so much for your time and your amazing insight. You know, as I kind of said before, I'm really excited about what you guys are paving and the way that we can talk about 
something that used to be kind of taboo um, in a way that it's it's not. And it's about art and music and culture and all these really kind of beautiful things. So you guys are doing something really special. Um, obviously, I have to give a shameless plug of our own. Um, as most of our listeners know, you can check out everything else that we have to say in written word on our platform, the Shapeshift Report, shapeshiftreport.co, and you can follow along on social at shapeshiftreport. Thank you so much for your time and we will talk to you soon. Bye.